Hello, welcome back to 52 and 52, a podcast where we watch at least one movie a week for every week in the year and record an episode about it. In today's episode, uh, Anthony's taking the week off, and I'm joined by our friend Joe Morgan to talk about the latest film from Pixar, Coco. Thank you for joining us, Joe. Sure. Ah, it's good to be back, Josh. Thank you for jo- or th- yeah. Thank you for joining me. There's no us. It's just me today. But, <laughs> uh, one of these days, I'll get one of these intros right on one of these podcasts I do without Anthony. But until then, he'll just have to keep giving me crap for doing it worse than him, even though I'm the one that did radio for four years as a college student. Um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah. So uh, Joe first joined us earlier this year for the King Kong podcast, and then the Circle, and then uh, Beauty and the Beast. And I feel like we've like slowly been working into jo- Joe's wheelhouse. Not that like he was not that we, he didn't do a good job of talking about King Kong, but I feel like progressively we then talked about a Tom Hanks movie. Joe likes Tom Hanks. Then we got to Beauty and the yeah. Beast, which is one of the favorites. And now Joe's like the biggest uh, Pixar animation fan that I know. And um, so I was glad that we were able to uh, do, do it for this, do it through this movie. Cause I mean, Joe is very well versed in this stuff. I still haven't, I, I'm kind of trying, working my way towards becoming a Pixar completist, like full, full disclosure. I hadn't seen Wally until about a month ago. Um, so yeah and 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 there there are still a few there are still a few big ones in the filmography that i that that i haven't gotten to but i i knew i wanted to see oh you you want me to out myself now so i've I've, I've never i've never seen ratatouille um oh yeah i know and um i think there's i think there's like one like i mean i haven't seen it i i don't think i've seen any of the cars movies aside from the first one and 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 i and you're gonna you're probably gonna really hate me but i haven't seen the incredibles oh my god that's that's that might be I mean, no. A lot of people say The Incredibles is like the best. Like a lot of people like swear by it. So, um, and I, I a lot of people yeah. like swear by like that. Those two like Ratatouille and Incredibles almost like as like being the best. So like I, I plan on rectifying that with The Incredibles before the sequel comes out. Because yeah, you like, set out the Brad Bird, uh, the Brad Bird collection there. Oh <laughs> yeah, the, the, oh yeah, those are his too. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I'm just like I'm, I have Wikipedia Pixar open right now, so I I, <laughs> I, I, I promise to fix that before uh, next year when the incredible sequel comes out. Because like I, a lot of people I trust do like say that movie's really great, but I, I don't have the same averse uh, averments to or what's it. Is it is aversion. aversion? Aversion, yeah. <laughs> the same aversion to like animated stuff on the like. Anthony will see certain animated movies, and I'm not like I'm I'm somewhere between like you and him maybe on that spectrum. And I just like I don't know. I'm just I'm I have ignorance, and that's what I'll say. It's ignorance as opposed to any kind of real derision. But um, but yeah. So I, luckily, I, I kind of bring in Joe as the the expert here to talk about this stuff. Joe's like we've said, been 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 a huge Pixar fan for a while, and I think we'd be remiss first if we didn't address the fact that like a few days before this movie come out came out, unfortunately, a lot of allegations came to light um, by uh, pick, about from regarding Pixar's John Lasseter in in the wake of all this sexual harassment stuff that's uh, been going on in Hollywood. It, um, to to be clear, maybe some of the allegations about him weren't to the extent that they were about some like Harvey Weinstein and others, but still not very good. Um, a big story in the Hollywood Reporter came out about. Just how he was taking, he was stepping down himself, and he kind of got out ahead of it, and is taking six months off. And Joe, I want to just allow you to say whatever your kind of initial thoughts were on this, and how it was handled, and how it just kind of affected your viewing of Coco, and um, what your thoughts were. Yeah, it's certainly disappointing. I mean, John Laster obviously has directed some of my favorite movies. You know, I'm a big Toy Story fan, and that whole trilogy even though Unkrich who directed Coco directed Toy Story 3 but um yeah very disappointed and it's just kind of crushing in a way like I feel like I had 
scheduled lunch with a friend that day and then the last year news came out about like 11 a.m and i just like texted my friend and canceled lunch because oh, i wow. was just so i was just so bummed out by it like I, I was like man really but um yeah like but mainly like more than my own like personal feeling i just feel bad for for everyone who has been harassed or touched when they didn't want to be touched because i mean that's really just the true awfulness of it all whether it's lassiter or weinstein or spacey or whoever else it may be so uh, certainly disappointing in that regard, but I guess in terms of viewing Coco, though, I was able to separate it pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's just John hasn't directed a Pixar movie in a while. I think right. he kind of he stepped in like mid-production on Cars two, and I really don't hold that maybe that dear to my heart. I guess <laughs> is I don't think I, I don't think many, I don't think many do <laughs> from what I, from what I understand. <laughs> yeah, so um, you know. John was very John was very much a huge part of building the culture at Pixar, certainly, and you know his fingerprints are everywhere. Whether it's at Disney Animation since um, Eisner moved out of Disney and um, at Pixar since the beginning, obviously. But you know, John, it's been a while since John directed and had that specific artist stamp on certain things, so um, a little easier to kind of separate, especially maybe like Coco. Yeah. Uh, I'd say I'd say about this stuff, it's really a, to each his own thing. I know some are like absolutist about it, and I think it's just really up to you and what you can, um, and just what you can manage to zero in on in your viewing experience. I like I think obviously you first and foremost you really feel for anyone that was the um, was a victim of anyone that's committed any of these acts, and you really feel sad just the fact that you don't know how many women were. Um, were deterred from pursuing careers in the entertainment industry because of this thing or any other industry where this is coming out. Cause I'm sure there's still a lot to come out in other industries, not just entertainment, but I'm sure it kind of really scared a lot of women away that had already started in the industry or from even really getting their foot in the door in the first place. But I can still, I've still been able to watch, I mean, I've, even knowing what I know about like Woody Allen, I've still been able to go back and watch some Woody Allen movies. But I'm, maybe I'm not going to watch Manhattan, where it's like, or the, or this new one. It sounds like he is coming out, where it's like specifically about older men romancing younger women, or the like the new new Louis C.K. one that's not even going to come out, or just uh, like, yeah. or, or even like Louis C.K. stand up, where he like talks about performing a lot of the acts, and now he's gotten in trouble for actually performing. Uh, yeah. um, so like stuff like that, where like it's unavoidable, and you're just you're you're going to be forced to think about those things like that because that's the kind of they're going to create art that directly reflects upon or 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 like something like Louis C.K. who does like the shows that are really just him being a lightly fictionalized version of himself, and it's like well the real him is the one that did these bad things. So how can I really watch that and not block it out or Horace and Pete, his, I don't know if you watched Horace and Pete, but his character in Horace and Pete, like had some pretty, uh, weird sexual stuff he was involved in as well, even though I liked a lot of that show. So I think, I think it just depends on, Oh, do we have a third guest with us today, Joe? Uh, yes, this is my dog, Maggie. She oh, I hadn't uh, met her has yet. to get up. So. Okay. Well, she yeah. has, if she has anything to add on Coco, she is welcome to join in. Uh, but just to finish my point, I think I'd say same with here. Like you said, Lasseter hasn't been involved in these movies for a while. But on the whole, I think it can be a case by case basis on how it affects your viewing experience. And if it's not someone, if the actual result of the art is not so closely tied to the that person's actual identity, like it is with someone like Lucy K, I don't think I have a lot of trouble with it. But the, like the John Lasseter stuff is really unfortunate because I, I even I mean for me even though i'm not as big of a pixar fan as you i still really appreciate a lot of these movies and it's something i might think about but at least i can like like i said it wasn't an issue for me during coco which i um found well i think we'll get into it and like i, I wasn't maybe like the 
absolute biggest fan of this movie. There was a lot to like, and it, if nothing else, I think it created a really, really interesting world to go into and lose yourself in. And I wasn't really thinking about other stuff. Yeah, and if I could make one final point, I guess yeah. like as John Lasseter being like the creative head of both Disney Animation and Pixar Animation, like it's just like a huge blow to like the brand as a whole, I guess, because um, just from a brief time working in animation, like one of the big things is like we really want more women to be working in animation, and it's just disappointing when someone that many considered like the modern day Walt Disney is like accused of having done these things. Cause it's like how many women have been just yeah, completely discouraged from pursuing animation and that places like Disney and Pixar. So and hopefully, uh, really and disappointing. And hopefully that changes now, you know, um, yeah. if, if, if there's something, I mean, I don't want to say there's something good to come from this, but like, cause obviously it's coming from something bad happening in the first place. But if these people, a lot of these people are losing their jobs, you saw the thing happen with the head of Amazon or other, mm-hmm. other big or head of Amazon TV, I guess, or, or just content or something like that. I don't remember what that guy's exact position was, but people in various positions like that, like you, you, you doubt that they're just going to be filled by like old white dudes, you know? Um, like you would hope that's going to, like people are going to, they're going to seek to put women in these positions and that'll certainly have a good, have both positive effects on both the type of content that's produced and also the women that get, get to work their way into the industry. So, but, uh, yeah, so let's go, let's go to something a little more fun now that we kind of address that a little bit and, uh, talk about Coco and, uh, do you want to talk about the short beforehand, real quick? Well, I don't. I th- is that is that is that an apt, uh, adjective to describe it? Um, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> um, yeah. So before Coco even started, uh, we we were. Uh, I would say we were subjected to. I don't know what you would say. We say it was. We had to watch uh, twenty-one minutes of Olaf from Frozen doing Olaf things. Uh, Frozen, not even being a Pixar product itself, is still a Disney thing. Um, but I, I guess for some reason they felt the need to have a short that was literally like the, a, 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 felt like a feature film, uh, beforehand. And I'm not totally sure what we, uh, gained from it. It was about tradition and how tradition is a thing that people have and you can't really just steal it from someone else. You gotta, you gotta make your own. And it took them 22 minutes to explain that to us. Uh, what, what, what were your thoughts on the frozen short? Well, there, yeah, there's the obvious outcry. It's like, you know, there's like a huge sect of people who just hate Frozen. And, really? I mean, Frozen. Yeah. I, I, like, I, 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 I like the movie itself. I just thought like this short was just like, man, do we really need this? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's funny because I think it was originally designed to be like an ABC television special where, you know, like, oh, it's right at home there, right? Because, you know, the people who like Frozen can watch it and people who don't. And um, it like, I, I guess the one part, I thought it was sweet. I thought it was cute. Like, I thought it was good. Um, I guess my one thing that kind of bumped me a little bit about it was that it was such a tradition for like Pixar throughout their history has experimented through shorts. Like their first major thing was Lexa Jr., which is about the parent lamp and the baby lamp playing with the, with the ball. And like, they've used like the shorts to experiment over time and really try new things. And like, if you read the story behind Piper, which was before founding Dory last year, it's like really incredible how that one came together. But just to see that kind of short tradition be bumped for Olaf was a bit jarring, I guess, especially because the shorts are usually five minutes long or like three to five minutes long. And right. it was 21 minutes. That was just Olaf, my thought. Was so. it like, I mean, like I said, I liked the movie for us and it just, it just felt like 
every other Pixar short I'd ever seen before was no more than half as long as that, but like I felt like I got twice as much out of it. So I'm just like sitting there thinking, yeah. like, man, like I, I'm not like I, I, I don't, I, I don't, I didn't mind these characters when I saw Frozen the movie, but like it feels like this is like an like a missed opportunity that's just taking up more of my time than I could have because I could have gotten a lot more out of a traditional Pixar short. And yeah. Uh, like, like for, for, I mean, Frozen looks good. I enjoy all those voice actors, and they're fun. And um, oh, I, me I don't too. Know. It was just Olaf Olafing it around a lot, and I was like, I, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know if I totally needed that, but, uh, but yeah. So maybe uh, whenever the next Pixar movie is, like, we'll maybe we'll just have something else. Uh, we'll we'll be back to seeing like a different type of thing. I'm assuming, and that was just something they wanted to do then. And I guess it made sense because we're coming up on the the holiday season and. I mean, not in the holiday traditions. It, it, it was timely. I'll give it that, you know. Um, uh, Coco. Yeah. Uh, so what, what, just um, overall, uh, what, what were your expectations coming in? I, I really did not know a lot about it. I think I knew it had a – I think I knew it had a musical component, but I don't think I watched the trailer that many times. So I really knew nothing about what this movie was about, and I uh, – uh, I'm sure you knew more than I did. What were your expectations going in? I it was it was a big deal for Pixar, I know, because it was a, a first time they had a, they they'd focused the movie around a main character that was not a white per or not I don't want to say not a white person because they've had movies about fish and cars. Uh, but uh, 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 first one first first one first one around a, a person of color. So I think I think I think it was first of all the movie starting from a pretty unique place in that. And how did you think the from the outset uh, the movie kind of took advantage of this unique setting and this unique group of people and uh what were your initial reactions uh well i was eager to see it because it's about you know an experience in a holiday that i just know nothing about which um i thought was really cool i was like oh it's like an enlightening experience i can see somebody else's like traditions to harken back to olaf one more time i guess (laughs) (laughs) and uh to really just have a new experience and of course um pixar original is always something to get excited about i think at least me personally so um, in terms of like story and stuff, I tried to kind of stay away. Like, um, when there's a movie I really want to see, I just feel like trailers are so spoilery these days. I just really didn't want that have that much to do with it. Um, I guess just from knowing the basic story, it's kind of a shame that you haven't seen Ratatouille because it was very much an homage to Ratatouille. Well, I, I, um, I, I know the gist <laughs> of it, Ratatouille, though. I was the, the mm-hmm. main character really wants to cook and is trying to kind of achieve that goal similar to here. Guy really wants to be a musician, you know. We should say yeah. it's 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 about a kid who wants to be a musician, but his strict Mexican family, uh, spe- specifically his grandma, is very discouraging of it, and he uh, tries to connect with his uh, great great grandfather, and in doing so, has to go on a journey through the city, of, the city of the dead, or is it what is it, the, the where is it the yeah the what's the, the other land world of the dead. land of the dead yeah 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 so yeah. um but yeah so, but but continue uh you're you you don't, you don't have to worry about spoiling ratatouille for me though i get the premise so <laughs> yeah uh just kind of like okay lost my train of thought there for a second uh but yeah i guess my overall impressions of the film uh i thought it was really sweet i thought it was like really creative visually and stuff they could do. I think some of the bone, the, the bone animation with the skeletons is some of the funnest, some of the more fun animation and character design they've done. Uh, and like, I don't know, like, I think, I think the world was really creative and I thought it was like a sweet story and, um, the twist may could have been disguised a little better from a storytelling perspective, if you will. Uh, I don't know how spoilery we're going to get in these first 20 minutes here, but, uh, 
yeah, you know, I, I liked it. You know, it wasn't, it didn't reach the highs of Inside Out, but what maybe could. But, um, yeah, no, I thought it was really well done. And, um, you know, the, the end part there was pretty emotional. So with, yeah, uh, yeah, we can, yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure. Like we, we, we can, we can save some of the spoilery stuff for later on. What I'll say is that I agree with you and that I think it was maybe the most visually ambitious of the Pixar movies I've seen. And I guess, uh, like I said, Wally had some cool stuff and inside out obviously did as well. But I think the, the land, the land of the dead just felt like so vibrant and so detailed and, I, I didn't particularly. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't particularly enjoy like the first like fifteen minutes of the movie, um, where it's just like we're getting this narration about the family history. I guess you kind of knew that information somehow, but I think that almost could have been conveyed in passing more, just having the characters talk, and you're just having all these different like narrations, like the one thing that'll make me tune out of a movie faster than just about anything in general. And I <laughs> I don't I, th- I I I don't think you necessarily need that. So you're kind of quickly skimming through all that stuff right there. The grandma, unfortunately, is a fairly one note character and doesn't really ever get re- redeemed. I don't. It's not really spoilerly really to say that. I mean, she. I'd, I'd say she comes around in the end because Pixar movies have happy endings. It's not really spoiling anything to say that, but I just you're just having this jumping around from one thing to another, and with the narration, I'm just like, eh, whatever. And the grandma is just really, really this essentially villainous and terrible because she um, m- music is cursed in their family. We can say that, you know, it's um, mm-hmm. er- Ernesto de la Cruz is the famous musician. It's the kid's great, great grandpa or, and, or, or actually they, they don't know that. They, they just know that they that his great, great grandpa um, went off to do music and left abandoned the family. And they're very discouraging of him doing that. And he, he, he comes into th- thinking that, Oh, well, I'm actually related to this famous singer. Let me go and steal his guitar so I can win this talent show behind my family's back. And that sends him into the land of the dead. And that's when the movie really, I'd say it took off for me. But I think part of the story does feel fairly familiar. Like you said, it's not like the ambitiousness of Inside Out. But I'm kind of with you in that the end part still like really got me. But I think throughout a lot of that middle section, I enjoyed looking at it so much that I wasn't like, I wasn't disliking my experience there, but it did kind of feel like a fairly traditional story of like a road trip person has to go accomplish a thing type of thing. Whereas Inside Out was just so way more innovative, you know, and it's not, it's not a knock on a movie to say it's not as good as Inside Out. You know what I mean? So I don't, I don't want to harp on that too much, but it did, it felt a little familiar and routine of a story. And, um, but I, I, in spite of that, I think, I still think like, I agree with you. Like I, I still really was somewhat moved by the end in spite of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly very traditional narrative, but you know, well executed. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, no, definitely it's it. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm not as enthusiastic about this one as say some of the others, but um, overall, like I really enjoyed it from a story standpoint. Um, and then, but yeah, just some of the visuals and the jokes were really good. I felt like so. Yeah, um, I don't even. I'm know, obsessed what, with. What, what did you find the most funny about it? Because I don't know if I laugh that much, but I'm not necessarily like I don't have that expectation. Like I need to laugh a ton if I'm going to see a Pixar movie. But what what did it the most for you in that regard? Um, I'm just kind of a sucker for dogs, and I really like Dante. But I love the stuff with it. It's really funny, and um, and uh, I liked a lot of the bone animation too, or just like like the way that would walk all herky jerky and stuff and him like Miguel and, and he tries to, to do yeah he tried to do that was yeah. funny he tried to do his cult and, song uh, yeah. and then um 
the flying jaguar pretty scary. Like I was like, yeah. okay, it's like going to be cute, and then, and then it became uh, pretty. Cre- and then like the whole scene with Edward James Olmos' character, like that whole song about uh, that Juanita song, mm-hmm. which um, I personally laughed at a bit because my grandmother's name is Juanita, and so it was just kind of like, a, oh, like, um, yeah. But that's more of a personal yeah and i'd say also part of the conceit of the movie is they're trying to go on this uh he he meets up with this uh other skeleton named hector once um once he once miguel goes into the land of the dead and there he he hector saying no i can help you meet the ernesto guy and um if you help me get back so i can get my picture there and i guess the idea is they need to have Mm -hmm. the pictures of their family members put on their uh um now I feel I'm trying. What, what's the thing they have to put the pictures on? Am I forgetting the term for it? The, I, oh, the, I think the the ofrenda. Um, yeah, the ofrenda. Yeah. Yeah, and he's uh, so. And the idea also part of it being that they, these skeletons they they disappear once the living people like don't actually know who they are anymore. So Hector's needing to go ha- have his picture put up so he can get through and see his daughter. Because if his once his daughter is gone, he's gone. I I, I don't know if it totally uh, made sense to me what the rules were um, as far as when they disappear and when they don't. Did were you able to totally keep that straight? That was one of the more um, confusing parts of it to me because, um, like, when one of the things is like how how did Miguel get into the land of the dead is one of the things that still kind of confounds me a bit. I don't know if that needs to be like, explained though. I think. Like he just ends up yeah. there. And you kind of have to. You kind of have to accept that. I wasn't so how much hung up on that, but like when a lot of the movie is like making sure you get these pictures back, or this person remembers that person, so then that person doesn't go away. Like I don't think it necessarily. It, it doesn't. I'm not saying it kills the movie or anything, but like it took. It takes me out of the movie for seconds at a time when I'm trying to figure out what exactly has to get accomplished and what what is allowed to happen here. Um, yeah, as a viewer, I had like a scoreboard of some sort because like. Um, that were James almost skeleton seemed much older than Hector. And so, um, oh, they, age. Yeah, yeah. like, cause he was like coughing and like bedridden and stuff. And so when he disappeared, I was like, Oh, okay. But when Hector was like walking around singing, dancing and all that. So it felt kind of odd. Whereas, you know, in a movie, like, like I hate to do this cause it's not fair, but in a movie like inside out <laughs> where they had like the five personality islands and then like once all the person, the one of once all of Riley's personality islands were gone, then you know that they had failed. They couldn't let all the personality islands fall. They had to get back to headquarters. Whereas in this one, it was it just seemed. I guess they had like Hector needed to be remembered by the end of this. Dia de Muertos was what they kept saying, but like. I, so I guess that was it. But there was like no visual representation of that. So I guess if like you weren't. And like, because you're you're never going to go into a movie and pick up every single piece of dialogue as a viewer. So, but it's like it's like, like kind of, it's a, but it, but it is implied at the end that like, well, he's good now, but I, but it, but like the the last person that needs to remember him, like if that person still dies, it seems like by their rules that like once the last person that knew you dies, you should be gone. But then when that person dies, like he's still around when they have this end sequence at the end. Sorry to spoil that. I guess we're in this borrowed territory. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's, it's, whatever. Go see it. I'll I'll, mar- I'll, I'll, mar- I'll mark that timestamp later when I edit the podcast. But um, basically, we you, and you kind of got at that earlier. So are you saying? So there's obviously the twist where it turns out um, Hector is uh, Miguel's um, 
Hector, Hector's actually Miguel's great great grandfather. And mm-hmm. did you did you see that twist coming somehow? Is what you kind of hinted at earlier? Yeah, I mean, like all the signs are there, and um, like after a while, it just kind of makes sense. So, I mean, like just he's such a talented singer, and he knows the song so well. And I mean, like it's not like something. It's not like something where you're like, oh, I know it's coming. It's just it's not as big of a surprise. Like when it does happen, right? I guess right, right. The way to say it. So. so I got you, but basically, like he's like trying. They got to get they got to get him back so like Coco can remember him. But like if Coco dies and she's like the only one on that's still on Earth that like or in the land of the living that remembers him, then shouldn't Coco be uh, like? Shouldn't the last person that knew that person living then dying? It seems like they're trying to say that like. Once everyone that remembers you is gone, then you're ter- permanently gone from the land of the dead. But then he gets to come back at the end because Miguel sang her a song, and then she remembered him at that point. But it's like just because they put your thing on the credenza, that means you're, you're that means you're allowed to come back on the day of the dead that year. But it doesn't like keep you alive, quote unquote, alive in the land of the dead forever. Do you see what I'm saying? Like I'm not sure. If- yeah, I guess eventually everybody has their time. Like where I don't know. It's uh, I mean, I guess this is something that you and I are missing out on more because we're not members of that culture. You know what I no, mean? No, yeah, I'm sure... yeah, yeah, yeah. To be clear, we're we're both two white dudes trying to talk about the Mexican American culture, which is uh, obviously foreign to us. So this was a learning experience to us, which is part of maybe I think what we did appreciate about the movie. I, but like, I, I even read a couple other reviews that were just like, you don't want to think too hard about that part. So I was curious if like maybe those reviews I was reading they missed something and you got. But the the rules are a little unclear, and I don't know if it matters that much as far as grasping overall what the movie is trying to do. It's just something that I happen to think about and maybe like just made me a little more caught up in thinking about other things as opposed to what the movie was actually doing on the screen at any given moment. I'm trying to figure out the rules of this universe, you know? Yeah. Um, And I I, I didn't mean to dwell too long on that, but that's why I wanted to kind of bring it up to you to see if it was like – something really clear as far as how that worked that I was missing. I think my my thing was maybe the one, just getting back to the movie itself, probably between the time when he teams up with Hector and when he actually, like, gets to De La Cruz, I guess the, the Edward James almost thing was interesting as, like, a little aside, but I think, like, everything else that happened between those two points when he first gets with Hector and then when he first meets De La Cruz... I couldn't really even tell you most of what happened. I guess he sings in that one talent show. And other than that, I'm really not sure what's going on. And I went with my uh, five-year-old cousin, and she, like, fell asleep during that part. And I think – and, like, I almost fell asleep. Like, I stayed awake, but, like, it got kind of slow. And, like, I still appreciated I, – I wouldn't say that whole part of the movie was without any value for me because, like I said, I really appreciated everything it was doing visually the whole time. But I'd say it's just mm-hmm. a little slow when it's just, like, them doing their, for lack of a better term, road trip part. And then it, I think, like we said, like I said, and we, how we were talking around it earlier, I do really think it picks up though. Like once the movie like kicks into gear again, once he gets to De La Cruz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you agree or disagree with that. Oh yeah. You... Oh yeah. I yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm I'm nodding, and that's not very good radio. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I agree with you. I think that part's not super memorable. I mean, they did plant the seed that um, his Hector's wife is his like great great grandmother and she like knows one of the songs and sings to him and like it just kind of lays some of the seeds of how music used to be a part of the family but yeah i mean other than that like it doesn't really get rolling rolling until he gets to ernesto de la cruz's party and that's when like things kind of really pick up steam again i agree with that absolutely so yeah and 
and I guess, uh, and once she, uh, once the once the family starts like getting into it, and they're kind of, they've everyone's kind of made this connection, and they're now they're trying to kind of come back against it, and they're um, they have to defeat Dela Cruz, and um, I don't know, like I, I I really got into it after I thought the movie totally lost me. Like I said, like I I was almost asleep, and then like I was really moved. So I mean, it definitely did something right with Hector, even if I kind of tuned out for a lot of it um, at that point, and I think. Maybe that's a little bit of a testament to um, uh, Gael Garcia Bernal's uh, voice performance, and maybe making that guy pretty likable, even if he's just kind of a goof. Um, and then mm-hmm. you're, and then you're really happy for him at the end. And the um, just, I don't know. I, I, I'm, maybe I'm just having trouble exactly putting into words what it, what I thought it did well. But I think it. I don't know. I, I just think I I did care about this family at the end a lot, and I think. Even if I didn't love all the narration and them introducing all of them, I like you still like you had hung out around in them enough that you wanted good things for them, and I think that was shows that they did they did something right with the storytelling, even if they lost me at a couple of points. I mean, what what, what do you think about it? That, that latter part of the movie made it really work for you after maybe not so much before. I think there's just something very. I mean. You know, I hate to I hate to draw the real life parallel, but you know, it's like, you know, you, I don't, I guess, just a sort of catharsis to really, you know, you you have the shell shock of discovering that someone that you looked up to and idolized for so long isn't who you thought they were, mm-hmm. and then there's a certain catharsis to finding peace in the aftermath of that and turning that into really a you know, it owed to his, like, you know, Miguel, this whole movie is like fighting back against his family, clashing with his family. I think he says at one point, like, I don't want to be part of this family anymore. And then that he can have that worldview shattered and then pick up the pieces and somehow mend a fractured part of his family he didn't even know was fractured or that he didn't know the specifics of why it was fractured. I think there's just like a catharsis that you can, yeah, pick up the broken pieces of something that's fallen apart. Especially, especially for something or meant something with it. Yeah, especially for him because early in the movie is like he's pretty out on his family for lack of a better term. He, yeah. he sees them pushing uh-huh. away from all this, and he does come to see the value in that. And I think there is something uh, rather touching in that. But I want to go back to what you said a minute about like, hey, don't meet your heroes. It could it, it might kind of turn out to be a not so good thing, and that's a pretty uh, heavy thing to put in a movie that's largely geared towards kids, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And we we talked about it a little bit before the pod and how. Um, We've or, or even at the beginning of the pod, we talked about it. How like you, you deal with this whole separating the art from the artist thing, and how I've seen a couple. I I, I was listening to the Gruce and Leach podcast earlier, and they mentioned, hey, this there's a little bit of that here as well, possibly where you're dealing with the guy that's about to meet his hero, and then he finds out that hey, this guy's just not always cracked up to be. But then it turns out that he really wasn't even a great artist. He just really stole from Hector. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think it like? Do you think that? Pixar movies, I would say, get varying degrees of dark, and they do have their heavy, intense moments. Um, mm-hmm. Would it have been like too far to? I mean, I don't think it, it wouldn't have been like a singularly like intense, scary moment. If what I had suggested to you before the pod, and what I'd heard on that other podcast, if that they had made it so Hector wrote the songs, uh, or Hector didn't write the songs, but Ernesto actually like wrote mm-hmm. the songs or something, maybe, or or and therefore he like wasn't really the great artist. Um, I think that would have allowed you to that would have posed a little bit more challenging of a question there, but it's not like the audience themselves is invested in Ernesto that much. It's more Miguel. 
So I don't know. Miguel's not going to sit there and dwell to himself for 15 minutes about separating art from the artist. So I don't know if there's a, like, like, like I just did at the beginning of the podcast. So I don't know if there's really another way to do that. But I mean, what if the movie had just done that, made that one little change? That doesn't really, I think it makes it more interesting for us to think about, but I don't know how much it really changes on the whole, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's funny that we talk about this specifically. It's, it makes me think a lot of the movie up. Uh, have you, uh, I, I, yes, I've seen, up, I've, seen up, I've seen up, I've seen up. Okay. So in, in up for the five of you who haven't seen it, um, Carl and Ellie, me as kids and bond over their mutual love of Charles Muntz, who's like a Charles Lindbergh type of figure. And um, they always want to go to Paradise Falls, which is Charles Muntz's greatest discovery. And then after Ellie dies, Carl puts spoiler alert, on the top. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> for, for those of you who haven't seen the first five minutes of up. Yeah. Uh, Carl puts the balloons on the house, goes to Paradise Falls. And when he's there with uh, the stowaway wilderness explorer, Russell under his house, um, like he meets Muntz and discovers Muntz isn't so much of a hero. Muntz is actually a murderer who's killed every other explorer who's come there to discover the the bird, which is you know Kevin. And the fact that you know, I think that movie does a good job of Carl is able to. I think Up deals with that head on because like Carl is dealing with the shattering of this illusion for years and years. He's loved Charles Muntz and Charles Muntz is what brought him and Ellie together. And that in the aftermath of that, he can take that spirit of adventure and apply it to uh, rescuing Kevin, the bird and her babies. And yeah. So um, that's a really clumsy thing. No, no, I got, but, but, but yeah, to, to, you're answering my question in that like, this is, it's not something Pixar hasn't done before. So if they, if they wanted to like uh, even look at that more closely in this movie, Hey, maybe they could have. I, I, I still think, like we're saying, that's not really part of the movie that like maybe didn't work as much for us anyway. I just thought it was a very interesting thing when I heard it on that podcast earlier. It's like, hey, they could have posed, they could have thrown some really serious questions out here. But uh, fans of Pixar movies, I guess, have seen it before. Like I said, I've seen Up, but I didn't remember that part of it until you just explained it. So I hadn't hadn't made that connection in my head too. But um, that was just another place I thought. Hey, it would have been interesting if this movie went there, but it's still really interesting seeing him bring his family together. And um, and like I said, the grandma was kind of one-dimensional, but at least they kind of come around too, and they, 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 see, they see the value in it, and they allow him to do his thing once they see how much it really means to him. And there's something that's just inherently sweet about even that simple part of it right there. Is there, is there anything I'm, I'm kind of – that's coming to mind that for you that just – in that last sequence that you, you really liked that jumped out to you or really any other part of the movie I skipped over, you know? Um, yeah, I, I guess I'll say one final, I, I guess just to tie a bow on that last thing, I guess yeah. up and Ratatouille and probably Toy Story three, just get a little darker and Coco has a much, um, Coco has a much easier time climbing out of that darkness in a way. And that Hector was actually the one who wrote the songs and Miguel has a chance to, um, mend it all because just watch Ratatouille, Josh. I'm not gonna. <laughs> okay, no, t- yeah, gonna... no. I promise I will. I promise I will. Uh, I did, okay, fun story. Uh, uh, Toy Story three was the first movie that I ever saw by myself, like in a movie. I was I was inter- huh. I was interning in Columbia, South Carolina, after my freshman year of college, and I was working at a radio station and. I was just like my radio shifts like never started till like two o'clock or whatever. So I I went to like an eleven o'clock eleven a.m. showing of Toy Story three by myself because <laughs> I really want to see it. And it's the closest I've ever like come to straight up crying in a movie, 
You know, um, yeah. Like when they like basically when they hold hands right before like they think they're going in the incinerator, like that's the closest I've. That's still to this day. Like the, I don't. I just don't cry that much when I'm watching movies and stuff like that. Like I'll. Mm-hmm. Um, Every now and then, like maybe something in life gets me choked up, but I'm just, and it's not that I'm not an empathetic person or any kind of sociopath or anything like that. I just, I just don't cry that much watching, consuming popular culture. So for me, like that, that, that does stand out to me. And it's like, I know this stuff can get dark. And this one was like inherently largely about death in the afterlife. Yet, like you said, it still mm-hmm. has its own ways and the script does of, and the story does of just not exactly dwelling too much in that darkness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I agree. And um, as someone who's cried at plenty of Pixar movies, <laughs> I definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess one other thing about the movie, and it's a point I saw kind of articulated in several reviews, and um, one that I agree with is that you know we see our we see ourselves in the dead. You know, like it's easy just to kind of go through your life without thinking about people who have died. But um, I think a you know, not to get too macro or anything, but I think like a general societal problem is we're all a little, we're all a little too self-centered. We're all at the center of our own universe in a way. And we can't really fathom the world that came before or the world that's going to come after. And just the whole idea of like, you just want to be remembered and to remember, you know, the people that you loved or that loved you and like just, you know, Hector has like that one last shred with Mama Coco um, at the end of the movie to be remembered. And he made such an impression on Miguel during their road trip together. And I don't know, it's just very, very sweet. And you can kind of sense your own, like your own mortality. Yeah. Your own mortality. I think it's like, you know, like if you have like children one day, you know, and, you want them to remember you, you know, like you don't want to be forgotten. And, um, yeah, I don't know. No, That's no, a no, very no. inarticulate way. No, no, it. I think it's good because I, I, I maybe only been thinking about it more from Miguel's perspective, as opposed to what I should take away from this movie, from what the older characters or the, the, the dead characters were thinking of. And I think it, I think it is interesting to think about it in those terms of just, and how that is probably one thing that this movie does really well. And that, I, I, I mean, I think we both agree that most Pixar movies can't appeal to, appeal, appeal to people of all ages, but this is this can do it in a very specific way where it's just getting like, – I think they – like I said, I, even though I'm I mean, I'm 26, Miguel's like way younger than that. Um, like I, I'm still thinking of it from that kid's perspective because I'm closer – I'm still hopefully closer to the beginning of my life than the end of my life. And I don't know what I'm going to be thinking about like at the end of my life, but I mean to – just to see how much like – I, it's weird to say life because like these characters are already dead, but like they're kind of going up against the end of your life as we fruit, fruitlessly tried to figure out earlier exactly how that worked. But like Hector is dwelling on all this stuff, and it I think that is an interesting way of like thinking about what your priorities are going to be like later on in life. Like this guy, he gets to play music a couple times, but he was Miguel, and like. Miguel's like, yo, like I'm, I'm all about this music thing now, and he kind of tries to hide it throughout because it's just not something that means much to him anymore. His his priority is like, I'm thinking about family at this point, you know, like I'm thinking about mm-hmm. family and being remembered. And yeah, I I used to, maybe I used to be like you with music, but that, that's just not me at the moment, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just when you can give up that, you can give up that thing that mattered to you so much because you know, I mean, guess the big thing is Miguel loves music and. 
um, Hector originally left the family to pursue music, and then that family tie is what pulled him back, you know? And, yeah. Um, and he was trying to leave and go back home, and the fact, you know, you know, I mean, that's how movies work, you know? Yeah, you it, want something at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. You want something different at the end. Yeah, but, and, I, um, and I maybe can't relate to that exactly, because that, that is, I guess, another thing, one of these things the movie's getting at is, like, at what cost do you want to pursue your dreams? Um, and mm-hmm. how far is too far? Like, would you give up your family to do that? And I think the movie ultimately ends up becoming, I mean, I, I don't know if it necessarily like takes a st- hard line stance on that because it ends up just being like, you can have both. But I think it, com- it comes down fairly pro family. Like I, I, this is somewhat of a very artificial choice that they give him in the first place. Cause like I said, the grandma is very like ridiculously against music just because of something that happened four generations ago in their family. Yeah. It's not exactly like the most, they don't come to that dilemma through the most like realistic and natural and rational way. But like, that is probably a thing that does have to happen sometimes for one reason or another in life, maybe not in a situation like this, but you might, for whatever reason, if it's a career choice or if it's just like your career path, for some reason, if you, if it's a job that would, could only be done if like you have to be away from your family or it's going to put, be very taxing in your family if you do do it, or it's going to put your family through financial strain because, hey, being an artist, not exactly the most lucrative field when you're first starting out. Mm -hmm. So, So you might have to make that choice and you might have to. Like there's going to be a cost to it. And ultimately Miguel does come down on that. Like, Hey, I'll, I'll give it up to save my family. And the movie doesn't ultimately like actually have that cost, but he does come to that conclusion and it's something that you have to grapple with. And that's another interesting thing that it deals with. That's probably going to appeal more to the adults and the kids a little bit, but there's still plenty in this movie to entertain the kids, you know? Yeah, for sure. Dante. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the the, the 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 dog will still appeal appeal to twenty six year old men as well, and yeah, as as maybe as opposed as as it will to the six year old kids also. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, exactly. But yeah, I'm glad. Uh, I'm I'm I, I'm glad we talked about this because, like, I mean, I think just me like rambling like I just did about like life and old people and what they want to reflect on, but also being a middle aged person possibly having to sacrifice your family these are things that i hadn't fully fleshed out before we talked and i think i maybe have a little more respect for the movie than i did before even if i still hold some of the same reservations about the first half that i did before mm-hmm. i'm glad we talked about it because i think there is maybe a little more here to unpack than what i realized when we first started talking um are there any other final closing thoughts that you might have that we just kind of didn't pick up on or touch on what did you think of the music i, I think uh let's see the music itself like i think remember me might show up in the oscars as like a best song that was probably the the well, maybe one of the highlights of the movie as far as the singing performances, but did any other musical moments stick out to you, or did, how do you think this compared to maybe any other Pixar movie that's tried to heavily feature music? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's like the first, like, I mean, I'm probably forgetting something, but this is like the first one to like heavily feature like characters singing in yeah. it, I think. And mm-hmm. um, I liked it. I liked it for that. Style. I don't know how often they're going to keep doing it, but it was actually the, Fro- the Frozen songwriters wrote Remember Me. Oh. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, I definitely think that will be at the Oscars because it's a, it's a really nice, sweet song and an important moment in the movie. And the way they flip it from the big, you know, dance stage number at the beginning to, like, this pleading, like, you know, really emotional, like, please, please emotion at the end of it. Like, I thought that was, like, a nice um, beginning mm-hmm. to end. Um, I just wonder what the symbolism is of Ernesto de la Cruz being killed by a bell. Like, I just want to <laughs> like, like, was it just funny or I don't know. 
Uh, I had to look that up too. But um, I, I guess the big thing I want to take out of this, though, is like just in terms of the world and the design, it's just so ambitious and so creative and so stunning. And the story, although, and the story well executed, though it may be a bit traditional. Um, but all those elements combined together, I just really hope Pixar can continue to do original movies because that was their that's their bedrock and you know, I really hope they can keep telling these original stories. I think that's my one big takeaway yeah. from this. And yeah. It's good and it's good it's good that they did it with a um it took them what nineteen movies to get there. At least they did one about uh, had a little more diversity, which is good. And mm-hmm. uh, I agree with you on the original movie thing. I hope it does really well financially because, while I guess, like I, I'm sure I, I'm sure I'll like The Incredibles once I watch it. But and I'm mm. sh- like, and I've seen the Toy Story movies, but like those are the two that are in production right now. You know, right? The next Incredibles mm-hmm. and the next Toy Story movie. It's like I don't know if there's like an original. I'm sure they have original ideas they're batting around, but nothing that's like definitely in production. You know, so there's oh, there there's is. one they announced this year oh, that. Okay. It's kind of vague what it's about. It's like, if I, I guess, it's like our modern world, but with like fantastical creatures in it. So basically, like unicorns are the equivalent of like raccoons, where like just unicorns are rummaging through your trash and stuff. Huh. And I think the main characters are elves. Like that's all we really know about it right now. So okay. it just, okay. it sounds pretty interesting and quirky. So we'll see what comes of that. But right. okay. um, yeah, it's just more Pixar movie with people of color. More Pixar movie with women in the lead because we haven't really had one of those except for Inside Out and Brave. So um, I guess Finding Dory also. But yeah, more women, more people of color. We uh, would be nice in Pixar movies. And, if they, yeah, agreed. If they if if they end up if Remember Me ends up at the Oscars, I wonder if the kid that played Miguel sings it, or if like, um, or if uh, Gael Garcia Bernal sings it. Or someone else, because it'd be, it'd be funny if they, they make this like thirteen year old kid go sing it, and he's he's probably gonna like pale in comparison to the girl from Moana that sang last year. Yeah, the like it's like be like un, really unfair to him to like have him be the kid act the next year after that girl like totally killed it last year. Uh, I'm not can we, sure. Can we just get Ali Carvalho to sing "Remember Me" instead? Like, just call her up and be like, "Hey, can you?" No, no, no disrespect to the kid who played Miguel, but let's just get Moana to come sing uh, "Remember Me." I think that'd be cool. Yeah, I, mean, that, I don't think anyone would object to that. Like, she had a very high approval rating after after last year. But I, I, like, I agree. I, I'll, I want, well, I think that'll be the most likely one to end up there if they perform. But there's always like a couple songs that like you know from movies that were good or that were in movies. But it's like I don't know what that arrangement would be if they play it at the Oscars. But I am looking forward to seeing uh, what they do. So, uh, yeah, yeah, good. Um, uh, Joe, is there uh, if there's nothing else, um, any other final points? I, I kind of cut you off and asked you a music question, but you, I think you might have just kind of made it with your general overall thoughts on Pixar's direction. Is anything else you want to touch on before we sign off? Uh, no, not really. Just uh, yay Pixar, yay originals, more please. That's the gist of it. <laughs> All right. Well, I uh, appreciate you for joining us. Um, if you want to, do you want to throw out your Twitter handle or anything for people to interact with you? Yeah, if you're if you're in the Jacksonville Jaguars Greece, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Joe underscore Morgan. Just a lot of oh, yelling yeah. about like Bortles and. Hey, but you, you'll be in the playoffs, dude. I mean, you couldn't expect that at the beginning of the year, did you? I mean, Oh, uh, you know, I wish I could be that confident. Well, talk to me again at, in uh, mid December. We'll see. <laughs> so. right, yeah, I mean, 
I, I unfortunately don't have to have the same worries. I'm a spoiled fan right now with how my Eagles are playing. But uh, I, I, I still have a being a Philadelphia fan. I'm still uh, rather pessimistic by nature. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for it to all come crashing down at some point, and I don't know when that's going to be. But I'm not counting my chickens before they hatch. But I'm, I'm enjoying the ride around now, and I'm not, I'm not at all envious of the life that you have to lead. And hopefully, uh, the Bills will just cut, cut Tyrod Taylor or something like that, and you guys can just find a quarterback for next year. Um, Eli, Tyrod Taylor, basically any. Eli, oh man, <laughs> desperate times. Jesus, all right, guys. Uh, this, <laughs> this podcast got this podcast got darker than the Toy Story three incinerator. Um, yeah. If you want, if you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Josh Chernovoy, J O S H J U R N O V O I. Anthony is a clambake, a k l a m b a k e. The podcast Twitter is at 52 in 52 pod. Uh, Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.